0: I want to do something just a little bit different this morning. I've done this one other time, I think, (coughs) in in our time here at Destiny and uh, since we started the church. But but I want to to talk to you this morning. Now, most of the time on on Easter Sunday, we talk about the resurrection. You know, we talk about the empty tomb. We talk about uh, things like that. But I I want to step back a little bit further than that. And I want to look at the life of Jesus through... Uh, maybe a different pair of eyes this morning. Um, I want us to think about if you think about the life of Jesus. I, I love when I read the Bible or any book, really, as far as that goes, but especially the Bible. When I read the Bible, I like to put myself in the story. I like to think what it would have been like to be to be there, you know, to walk beside the people that I'm reading about, and and what I would have thought. If, if that had happened right in front of my eyes. And, you know, so let's think just for a moment. Let me set this up. And I want to do a little role play here in just a second. Noah's going to help me. And I'll tell you, I'll need that handheld mic turned on in just a second, Joshua. Um, think about for a moment what it must have been like for the disciples. Now, a lot of times we read the story of Jesus and we we know the end of the story. We know everything about it, but... Put yourself in the, in the shoes of these disciples. Here, you know, take for example, James and John. They own a fishing business, right? They're out on the sea fishing, minding their own business. You know, hadn't no more heard of Jesus than, as a matter of fact, the name Jesus hadn't even probably crossed their ears at the time. And just one day, this man comes walking up. They're cleaning their fish. They're cleaning their nets. They're, they're doing what they do in their business. They're, they're, they're doing their everyday life. This man walks up and starts a conversation with them. And it so impacted them that they, that they turned their back on their business and started following a man that they knew nothing about. What, what must have been in the words of Jesus to make these men drop everything and follow Him. So they, get to, they start to get to know Him. And Jesus starts teaching and He starts saying these words and His words have, have power. They've never, time and time again, the time and time again the Scripture says things like that the disciples were amazed and they would even say things like this man has power in His words. One, one translation even said one time he actually believes what he says. They start seeing Jesus do these miracles. I mean, they start seeing sick people be healed. They they see Jesus walk on water. They see Jesus, uh, you know, calm storms. They see Jesus raise the dead. Now, come on. I mean, I'm talking these guys. These guys that hadn't read the Bible. They were they were literally writing it right. I mean, they were living it. I mean, this was totally new to them. They, I mean, they were their minds were being blown every single day. John said in the book of John, it says that if you know, we we have we have, um, you know, something like oh, I can't remember how many days uh, they put together like the the the, the story of the gospels. And I think it's something like we have maybe 54 days of Jesus' life recorded. Events that happened maybe 50 some days of His life. He was in ministry for three and a half years. John said that that if everything that Jesus did was written, that the earth possibly couldn't even hold the books. Think about that see, sometimes we just read the Bible and we read these stories and we think, "Oh that's cool, that's nice but th- but what about these guys that walked with him every day what about what about they were seeing this right before their eyes? The power that must have been present around Jesus? How many times do we hear that when people heard that Jesus was coming? they ran and got the sick and brought them because they knew that if they could just get the sick people to Jesus, they would be healed. The woman with the issue of blood heard of Jesus and she said, if I can just get to Him, this disease I've had for 12 years, this thing that has ruined me for 12 years, this, this addiction, this, this problem, this sin, this problem, if I can just get to Jesus, and if I can just touch the hem of His garment if all of this is true, if just some of it's true, if I can just touch His garment, I'll be healed. Just just the sheer um, magnitude of, of, of what Jesus did on this earth. So, I mean, we could talk a lot about that, but let's fast forward to... To, to, the, to the near the end of these three and a half years. Jesus has been talking to His disciples and He's been teaching them and telling them still, their mindset is still that, that He is going to take over physically. That He's going to be a ruling King. He's going to cast down the Roman Empire and, and He's going to rule and reign and they're going to be right there beside Him in power here on the earth. You know, they're, I mean, their they're mindset, they still haven't grasped what Jesus really what his purpose was, and what he was doing, then we read about a about a man that had the same opportunity, he saw the same miracles three and a half years he walked with Jesus, he saw all of that stuff one day one day his disciples were are in a room with Jesus and this woman comes in takes a this bottle of perfume this flask of of fragrant oil that's expensive that that you know the bible says that it was it was worth one year's wage now think today i mean i don't know what the average wage is for a, a average worker in america we'll just say i mean I mean, even at the low end, we'll say thirty thousand dollars. This this bottle costs thirty thousand dollars. They're they're sitting around the table with Jesus, and this woman comes in. Whew. woman comes in that Jesus had done so much for she took this perfume busted it $30,000 busted it poured it on Jesus' head run down his head, run down his shoulders, run onto the floor One of the disciples, one of the disciples, the Bible says, became irate. What a waste! Don't she know that she could have sold that for $30,000 and we could have used that money to feed the poor? Don't she know what a waste that was? Of course, we know the, the back end of that story. The Bible says it wasn't really because he was so interested in the poor, it was because he was the one that held the money bag and he was a thief, and in his mind, he was thinking, I could have used ten thousand dollars of that, and they never would have known it that I would have that I had taken it. you see because judas Judas was a Scoundrel. Yet, Jesus chose him. Jesus loved him. The Bible says that he was the money keeper. And that he continually stole from the money bag to please himself. Did Jesus know that? I mean, I'm very well aware that he did. Did the other disciples know that? No, they didn't know that. Jesus did. As a matter of fact, Jesus knew that. You come to the to to this week in Jesus' life. You come to Wednesday night, Thursday, somewhere in that time frame. Jesus Passover is getting ready to happen in Jerusalem. There's crowds of people everywhere. He calls his disciples to him and he tells them. He tells them, you know, hey, go go, you'll find this room set up. Tell them, tell the master that I need a place to have the last supper. And, you know, the long story short, they set the supper up, and Jesus comes in and starts starts having this this meal with them. We we call it the Last Supper. The disciples had no clue that would be the Last Supper with Jesus. We're gonna we're going to do communion here at the end but Jesus is having this meal with them and I love in the the story of Luke Jesus made this comment he said he said I had longed for this moment this is the moment I've been looking forward to cuz Jesus said because he said cuz as we take this meal together he said this is going to be more than just a meal he said, because this is going to be something that you're going to do now until, until I return. And, and he said, every time you do this, you're going to remember what I did for you. He took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body. He took the, the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. You know, they had no clue what that meant at the time. But sitting at that table that day was this man that was still offended at what Jesus, at what this woman did about this $30,000. He got offended at Jesus, and the Bible says, because of that offense, it allowed Satan to enter into his life. And word came back to him on the streets that the high priests, the religious leaders of that day, were looking for somebody to tell them where Jesus would be, so that they could arrest him, kind of outside of the city, you know, outside of the view of everybody, because they didn't want to do it in public. Because because Jesus, listen, as he walked, as he came into town that week, they were he was riding on a donkey. They were laying palm branches across the floor, across the road, saying, "Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest." They 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 basically looked at him as a king. So they knew, the religious leaders knew, look, if we do this in public, we're going to to cause a riot. So we've got to find some way, we've got to find somebody that knows where He is. Somebody that knows where He goes at night. Somebody that that can tell us where He is. And word got out that they were willing to pay for anybody that could deliver Jesus. Well, Judas offended at Jesus because he had lost an opportunity to, to get some money, went to the high priests. And I wanna I want to kind of role play with you a moment what that must have looked like. What it may have looked like. We don't I'm taking liberty with this because, because none of this is written in scripture. But the Scripture that we're going to read to you in just a moment, uh, I want to do this first and then we'll read the Scripture. But the Scripture that I'm going to read to you in just a moment bears this out, that this, this had to be what what happened here because, because of what happened next. So so let's look, let's take this journey for just a few minutes through the eyes of Judas. If you'll, Josh, if you'll turn his mic on. Through the eyes of Judas, so Judas hears that the high priests that the religious leaders they're, they're, the, they were Pharisees and Sadducees and uh, the the Sadducees were the ones that di- they didn't believe in the miraculous they didn't believe in the supernatural uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection you know that was where the the, the high priest was a Sadducee the Pharisees they were they, they didn't believe Jesus. Uh, they didn't believe the Messiah was in, per, you know, in a in a body bodily person like Jesus. They didn't believe that that he could be that. You know, there, there were different there were two different groups that believed two different things, but but they were united in this one thing that they wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to get him off the scene. So Judas, no doubt, probably, if you could imagine, he had seen Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. He had. He had uh, witnessed all the miracles that we read—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Judas had been there. Every one of those miracles, Judas was there. He had seen it all. So he goes to the high priest, and and the conversation may have went something like this:
1: "Who are you, and what do you want?"
0: Well, I'm I'm Judas, and I hear I hear that. That you're willing to pay money for somebody that that would give up Jesus. Go on. I know where he is. I, I can lead you to him.
1: Great. We will send a couple of guards with you.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you don't understand. Uh this is no ordinary man. What do you mean? Listen, I've been with him three and a half years. I've seen things that, that's truly hard to believe. You just wouldn't, I mean, I, I can't even hardly talk about him. But, but I've seen him turn water into wine. I've seen him feed 10,000 people with a small kid's lunch. I'm telling you, this, this is no ordinary man.
1: Well, he is only one man.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Let me, let me warn you. I've seen him walk right through the crowds of people that wanted to kill him. I've seen him touch lepers, and, and instead of leprosy coming on him, the leprosy disappeared. I've seen. I've seen. have not seen one person come to Jesus who wanted healing and walk away sick. This is no ordinary man. It'll take. No. 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 It'll take much more than just a few guards if you plan on arresting him.
1: This man is from the devil.
0: No. 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 Listen. I've seen him cast devils out with just a word. The devils no match for Jesus. I'm telling you, he's no ordinary man. Listen. One time we were at sea and this big storm came up. We were about to drown. The boat was about to sink. We we went to Jesus was asleep and we went to wake him up so we could jump ship. That's how that's how close it was, and he got up and spoke one word, and the sea became still. (laughs) This is no ordinary man. Listen, he he the the winds and the waves obey him. It'll take more than just a few guards.
1: It's not like the rumors of Him walking on water are true.
0: <laughs> I was there. They are true. I saw it with my own eyes. We were caught in another storm. And, and we had rowed for three or four miles. We looked up. And here came Jesus walking on the water. We were scared out of our wits. We thought it was a ghost. But He spoke these words. He says, I am. Be not afraid. We led Him into the boat. And we were immediately on the other side of the sea. I'm telling you, we, were, we all looked at each other and, and all we could say is, what manner of man is this?
1: All those stories can't be true.
0: <laughs> Listen, I've seen him heal the sick with just a word. One time we were going through the city of Nain and, and a funeral procession came by. I saw the look of compassion on his face. He stopped them. And he went up and he touched the he touched the 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 dead body and, and I saw that boy get up out of the out of that that dead that that uh, casket that they were carrying him in and run and hug his mother. I don't know, I don't know how he does these things, but I can promise you this he's not an ordinary man.
1: Well, what do you suggest?
0: Listen, all I know is the lame walk. The sick recover. The blind see. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The demon possessed are set free. Those in bondages are released. This is no ordinary man. You better send an army. Let's read John chapter 18. Now when Jesus had spoken these words, this is John 18 verse 1, He went out with His disciples over the brook of Kidron and where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Stacy and I, when we went to Israel, we went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now it's just a real small garden. There's a there's actually an olive tree there that, that they believe dated back to the time when Jesus lived. They believe it was like twenty five hundred years old. And they've got it blocked off. You can't touch it or anything. But but during Jesus' day the Garden of Gethsemane was a huge place. It took, as a matter of fact, it took up the whole side of the Mount of Olives. There were caves in it. They were, there were hiding places in it. Jesus, This was a place where Jesus and His disciples went regularly to get away from the crowds. There was one, one particular place that they went um, that, that many scholars believe that this is where this event happened. Because uh, today there's a... Just like just like so much of the so much of the things over there in in uh, Jerusalem, there when they when they find when they find a place that they think Jesus did something, they build a church on it. They build a temple on it, you know, just so people can't come and worship Jesus. You know, they build a uh, Hindu temple or a Buddhist temple or I mean or a Muslim Muslim temple, I should say. But there was this cave that that they, they think that He went to. And it was a rather a large cave, and you'll see why in just a moment. But Jesus would go there to get away from the people, and nobody really knew that He went there. And that's the reason the the religious leaders didn't know where He was. They needed somebody to tip them off to where Jesus would be. So So Jesus went to this place where they regularly went to. Verse number 2. And Judas, who betrayed Him... Also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, now see. Sometimes we read we read scriptures like this, and we see the movies. We watch the Passion of the Christ Friday night, and you know, and it's a great movie. It it, it depicts very well the some of the things that happened. But but even in that movie, there was like twenty or thirty troops that came. That night, you know, I mean, there, it didn't depict a large group. But when you read, when you study the word, this word detachment, I think the ample, or the uh, King James says he received a band of men. Let me tell you what that word means. That word is this is is the word spuria, and it's a military cohort, is is what that word means. What's a cohort? A cohort is a tenth of a legion. Well, what's a legion? (laughs) You have to answer all these questions. A legion is 6,000 people. So he he received a cohort or a tenth of that to go with him. So in other words, when Judas left the high priest's palace that night, 600 soldiers went with Judas. It wasn't just a casual... Six hundred soldiers. They were decked out in full riot gear. They were going for battle. It was as if another, if another uh, country was, another king was coming up against them. They would look no different than they looked the night that they went to get Jesus. Now listen to what it says. Judas having received received a detachment of troops or a band of troops, or we could we could put. He received 600 troops and others and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees. So he received some army members. Then he received the special guard from the Pharisees, the temple police, the ones that protected the temple. So 600 soldiers plus another group. We don't know how many that that is it doesn't tell us, just that it was officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Now if you go to Matthew and you go to Luke, Matthew and Luke both record it like this. A great multitude came with Judas. Think about this. They came with lanterns, torches, and... And weapons to arrest one man. What must have Judas told them about Jesus? 600 soldiers to arrest one man. How much power is needed to arrest Jesus? Verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all these things would come upon Him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Now, just, just so you'll know this, you can read uh, the, at the end of chapter 17 in, in, in Matthew and Luke. You, you can read, you can read uh, and Mark as well. This is where Jesus goes first, even before this happened. He, he, went to, he, he went to the place where He normally met. Then He took Peter, James, and John with them a little further, and He asked them to pray with Him. You remember that? And He went he went a little further than them, and the Bible says that when He came back, uh, they were sleeping. He woke them up and said, can't you, can't you pray with Me for an hour? He went back again, prayed. He came back and they were sleeping again. He left them sleeping that time, went back and prayed again. That's where the Bible says that that He was in such intense prayer... That his blood became or his sweat became as drops of blood, literally it's a it's a uh, medical condition that that where um, I mean there's the body is under so much stress, the body is under so much stress that literally the pores drip blood not just not just a little bit. now you know I'm kind of even sweating up here this morning and and you know and and my brows got some sweat on it but but like you you may not even be able to see that because because you know you can't notice that but with Jesus it was as if blood was pouring out of his pores so even when even when Judas came to see him and when when we're getting ready to read this when Judas shows up he's already bleeding he's already got blood running down his his cheeks on his arms some blood may be trickling down his arms from this from where his sweat became drops of blood because of the because of what he knew he was getting ready to face so So get this picture they 're out here in the garden they 're out here in the woods it 's kind of a, a you know real secluded place. all of a sudden you hear this racket coming up the coming through all these the soldiers' armors clanging together. The, you look and there's torches and there's lanterns, there's swords drawn, there's, there's daggers, there's all kinds of things that these soldiers have. Jesus, it says that He knew this was getting ready to happen. He comes up and, and He comes up to the front of them and, and Jesus doesn't run, He doesn't hide. He comes right up to the front and He simply says, Who are you guys looking for? <laughs> You've got to love Jesus you know he he knew who they were looking for but but he asked them the question who are you looking for and they answered him and they said Jesus of Nazareth Jesus said to them I am he now the word he there is in italics which means that's not in the original language what Jesus said was this he said the exact same thing that God told Moses when Moses said Who who will I tell them that sent me? And when God said, I am, this is the exact same words that Jesus spoke. So so He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. And at those words, look what happened. It says, says, uh, Jesus said to them, I am He. And Judas, who betrayed Him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Now it wasn't like they just it wasn't like that they just stumbled back and kind of knelt down like, whoo-hoo, you know, that was scary." These words, and when you read this in the original Greek, these words meant this. They got knocked on their rear ends. There was a blast of power When Jesus said, when when He said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. When He said, I am, there was so much power come out of His mouth that 600 soldiers went, boom! (laughs) Fell flat on their back. Could you imagine what they were thinking at that moment? Okay, Uh, we better call for reinforcements. This This is not going to go very well. Because we don't know what just hit us, but every one of us is laying on our backs. Wow. Let me ask again, how much power does it take to arrest Jesus? So it says, they fell back and fell to the ground. And Jesus asked them again, who are you looking for, guys? I wouldn't have said a word. But they they repeated, they repeated and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, He says, i told you that I am. Therefore, if you seek Me, let these others go their way. So Jesus, listen, in in the middle of the worst moment that's getting ready to be in His life, Jesus is still looking out for His disciples. He said, if you're looking for Me, here I am. Let these go. Verse 9 says, That the saying may be fulfilled which spoke of those whom you have given me, I lost none. Wow. Verse 10 says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. I found out something interesting about Malchus this week. I'd never heard this. And, uh, and doing some study and, and listening to some, some different people... Malchus was, it says that he was the high priest's servant. It would be equivalent today, uh, it would be equivalent today of being the high priest's press secretary. In other words, when the high priest wanted to get something out to the public, the high priest didn't go out in the public and yell it out. He would send Malchus. Hey, let's go spread some rumors about Jesus. Who was the one that would tell it? Malchus. Hey, let's go tell them how bad Jesus is. Who would be the one on the streets talking about Jesus? Malchus. Hey, let's, let's, let's spread some rumors about the, about the disciples and get people turning against them. Who would be the one saying that? Malchus. I used to think that Peter just randomly swung his sword at somebody. But you know, you know what Peter, who Peter went after? He went after the one that was running his mouth about him. Oh yeah, you, you're you so high and mighty, you think you're out spreading all those rumors. I got, look what Jesus just did. Let me cut your head off right here. I got, Jesus has got my back. It says he took his sword, he swung, and Peter was a fisherman, he wasn't a soldier. He missed his head, missed his neck, I guess, and got his ear. Cut his ear off. So he did hit the side of his head, cut his ear off. Malchus goes to the ground probably, grabs his head, his ears laying there, blood's going everywhere you can imagine. And then look what even even in the midst of that, look what Jesus does. Verse eleven says this. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And then if you go if you go to uh, some of the other uh, passages in Matthew and in Mark, the Bible says that Jesus reached down, picked up the ear, grabbed Malchus's head, and healed Malchus. Now, let me just say this about this is real quick. This is just a side note. Malchus was a Sadducee, didn't believe in the supernatural, didn't believe in miracles, just experienced the, one of the greatest miracles that happened. His ear got chopped off. Jesus reaches down and says, let me take care of Peter's mess. See, because listen, what could have happened right there was this. Peter just assaulted a royal servant. What that meant was, Peter could have been tried and killed the same night Jesus was tried. If Peter is killed that night, guess what? Everything that Peter Peter wrote in the New Testament wouldn't have been written by Peter. Peter, the plan that God had for Peter would not have come to pass. So, what did Jesus do? Even in the midst of his time, he said, "Peter, you got yourself in this mess. Let me get you out of it." He reaches down, grabs the ear, heals Malchus, and then turns around and, and, and tells tells the rest of tells the people, "Now let these people, let them go." And the Bible tells us that all twelve or eleven, because Judas had already betrayed him but the 11 scattered and left Jesus. Matthew actually reads uh, has an interesting scripture. Look at this Matthew chapter 26. Cuz let me show you this cuz I'm asked I asked the question this morning how much power does it take to arrest Jesus? Look at Matthew chapter 26 verse 53. This is the same story, but Matthew's account it says verse 52 uh, verse 51 said, suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut his ear off. Jesus said, put your sword back in place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And then look at verse 53. Do you, he says, or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father and He would provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? Now think about it. Jesus asked the question, Who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Boom! Flat on their back. Just with two words. They stand up. Peter cuts his ear off. You know, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, I don't need your help. You know, come on, Peter. He says, don't you realize that at this very moment I could pray to my dad and he would send 72,000 angels to take my side? Think about that. He said he he would send more than 72,000 angels. In Isaiah, here's here's just a a random note for you. In Isaiah, one angel one night, the Bible says that one angel killed 185,000 men in one night. One angel. Jesus said more than 72,000 could be at my side just like that. You do the math if that, if that number is, is relevant to you or if you like doing things like that. You run the math. Three billion people like that. 72,000 angels could take care of three billion people at the drop of a hat. More than double what's on the earth today. How much power does it take to arrest Jesus? Who with His words can flatten an army. at at, at one word to His Father, can have 72,000 angels take up for Him just like that. But then something very interesting happens. Jesus looks at the guards. They throw a chain around His neck. They tie His hands. They start hitting Him. They start beating Him. They start mocking Him. And Jesus doesn't say a word. There's not enough power on the earth to arrest Jesus if He didn't want to be arrested that night. There wasn't enough power. There wasn't enough weapons. There wasn't enough people but here's, here's, the, here's where I'm wanting to go with this as we get ready. We're finishing up here. Here's what I want you to hear today Jesus humbled himself, surrendered himself. The Bible says that, that, that he humbled himself to die even the death on the cross. It was basically, we could say it like this the cross was the lowest, the most disgusting, the most horrendous, the worst the worst death that you can think... Uh, historians have said, like if you read church history and stuff, they, they literally said that suicide was much preferred over the cross because of the agony and the, the pain that the cross would bear. The Bible tells us just real quickly, you fast forward through this, the Bible, you know, in Matthew and in Luke, I believe it is, the Bible records it like this: after the after they, you know, they, they says that that Pilate had Jesus scourged. They say it with one word, but that scourging rendered Jesus unrecognizable. If you looked at his body, if you looked at him, if you tried to, if you didn't know who he was, there was nothing left about Jesus that you could look and say, "Oh, that's Jesus." The scourging was so hard and so unbelievable that He was unrecognizable. Then it says, they delivered Him and they crucified Him. Just with three simple words, they crucified Him. It doesn't tell the horrors of the the cross and what Jesus went through for us. You can read the medical conditions, what would happen to somebody that they put on a cross but at the end of the day, we know this. The nails did not hold Jesus to the cross. Love held Him to the cross. Jesus humbled Himself and did the worst possible thing that a human could do. And that was to, to offer Himself to go to the cross for somebody that deserved to go to the cross. Jesus did not deserve it. He was sinless. He, he, didn't, he did not do one thing to deserve any of that. But yet, for you and for me, He humbled Himself. And with all the power, with everything at His disposal, No, I mean, at, at His word, the army was just flattened. He spoke the words and he said, he said, don't you know that I could pray to the Father and, and just like that, 72,000 angels could be here in a heartbeat. But he didn't pray to the Father and ask for angels. He didn't use his words to flatten an army again. You know what he used his words to do? As they're nailing him to the cross. And as they're beating Him and as they're, as they're mocking Him and, and as they're doing the things that, that we can't even fathom what they did to Jesus. Grabbing His beard and pulling His beard out. I mean, just things that, that are unbelievable that, that they did to Him. You know what He used His words for? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Time and time again, he stopped to fix other people 's messes in the middle of his mess. Could you imagine being one of those Roman soldiers nailing that putting that nail in his hand and 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 then having him look at you and making that eye contact and hear him say, "Father, forgive him?" Those Roman soldiers i 'm sure had been cussed had been had had every name hurled at them had had unimaginable things said about them, but I guarantee you, nobody had ever said, I forgive you. Yeah. Even, while you're, even while you're taking that sledgehammer and putting those nails in my wrists and in my feet, and even when you throw that cross up and, and it falls into place and you're mocking me and, and you're, you're at my feet gambling for my, for my clothes, He looks and says, I forgive you. The Bible says that He he cried out, It is finished. He breathed His last breath. You know, a lot of times in... Um, if you look at the early crosses, um, a lot of them have a skull at the bottom of the cross. I don't know if you've ever seen those or not. But the early crosses would have this, the, the picture of the cross and would have a skull at the bottom of it. Most people believe that that the very place where Jesus was crucified was where Adam was buried. And it is said that when his blood, when Jesus's blood was shed there on the cross, the Bible says that when he gave up, when he gave up the ghost, when he when he exhaled and and he died, the Bible says there was a great earthquake. And and you know the historians or whoever you want to say, the people what they say is this is that His blood went through the cracks of the earth and it went down and and hit the skull of Adam. And it was showing and, and what that was was showing that his blood covered the sins of mankind. The very the very person that introduced sin to the world. That his blood, when it hit the skull of Adam, it caused the earthquake. The veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Never to be hidden behind a curtain again. Now that's, I mean, that, that about Adam's not in the scripture. Of course, you understand. I'm telling you just what some people are saying, but but it was just representative of Jesus' blood covering the mess of what Adam caused. Even in even in his even in his last moments on this earth as a man, he was looking out for us. They put they brought him down, they buried him in a tomb you know they, they even they even said that um, the the religious leaders went to the governor and said, "Look these people are going to come try and steal his body because he said he was going to raise in three days. Let us put arm, let us put troops there. Let us seal the tomb. Let us do everything we can do to protect it. And, and he said, "That's fine. You know, you can do that." So they put they stationed soldiers outside of the tomb. On the third day, the women are making their way, wondering, amongst themselves, who's going to roll the stone back when they get to when they get to the. To the tomb, different. You know, if you read it in the different gospels, you can kind of piece this together. But when they get to the tomb, this this is incredible. The you know the first witness to the resurrection of Jesus would be the angels. The angel rolled the tomb back. There was an earthquake. The angel rolled the the tomb back. When they got there, now check this out: an angel. Now this this stone that they rolled in front of this 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 tomb was huge. I mean, it had to be huge because they wondered, who. how are we going to get this stone moved? But when they got there, the angel's sitting on top of the stone, resting. You know, it's like the angel said, here, let me take care of it for you. They go in, they go into the tomb, there's angels there. They come out of the tomb, there's angels there. They, everywhere they look, there's there's angels everywhere. Proclaiming and telling them, go tell them, it's just like Jesus said, He's risen And then it wasn't long after that that Jesus showed up in their midst, walked through the wall. And they started piecing it together and started seeing the plan. One last verse I want to leave you with today. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Because you see, you say, well, that's a great story, Pastor. That's that's all fine and well, but how does that help me? Look at Romans chapter 8. And let's look at verse number 10 and 11. Well, verse number 11. We'll just look at this one verse. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11. It says this, But of the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Here's the greatest news that you can hear today. Katie quoted it earlier this morning as well. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The same power that Jesus demonstrated while He walked on the earth dwells in you the same power, the same ability that, that, that allowed Jesus and enabled Him to do all that He did, that power dwells in you. How much power does it take to arrest one man? Well, there's not enough power present on the earth. But the good news is, is that He surrendered, He humbled Himself, He surrendered His will to do the will of the Father. And that was so that you and I would not have to endure the cross. He endured it for us. Now real quick, what I would like to do is this. Jesus said this. He told His disciples there that night that He was betrayed. He told them, He said, Every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, He said, you do this in remembrance of Me. Now, I've told the story maybe from a different view this morning. Maybe I wanted, What I wanted to do was this. I wanted you to understand how much power was in Jesus. That, that it wasn't the fact that the religious leaders killed Him. It wasn't that a group of people overtook Him and, and, and did something against His will. It was the fact that He surrendered His power. So that you and I would have life, he willingly went to the cross for you and for me. He did it willingly. He didn't do it. He didn't do it, you know, uh, against his will. He did it willingly. And because of that, that very same power that lives, that raised Christ from the dead. That very, the Bible says that it's the, it was the strongest display of God's power that He ever did was when He raised Jesus from the dead. And that very same power that raised Him from the dead is living in us. Now when we, when we take this the juice and the, the, the bread, when we take that, Jesus said this, he said, you, he said, every time you do this, you do it in remembrance of Me. What I want us to remember this morning as we take communion is this. I want us to remember... And you can, if you want to get any of those kids that want to come out and have communion ginger. Thank you for that. If I want you to remember this, I want you to remember the power that you and I have living on the inside of us. A lot of times we think of, we don't think of Jesus as power, but, but the Holy Spirit is power. The Holy Spirit enables us. He's our teacher, our helper, our guide, our strengthener. I mean, He's so much, but. But as we as we do communion this morning, I want us to think of the power that lives on the inside of us. Now, here is what I would like to do. I've got three different stations here. I've, I still put the communion wafers in uh, cups, just in case anybody's not comfortable with touching the the thing, the plate as we pass it. So, I want to ask you to come up and take a, a juice and a cup, and then uh, once everybody has been. Served, we will uh, will will take communion together. So, if you would like to take communion with us, uh, you know, just you can come and serve yourself, get enough for you and your family, and uh, I'll take these covers off. So, y'all can come and and get your elements, and then we will uh, then we'll have communion together. As and as you as you come, be thinking about be thinking about the power. Be thinking about the power that, that is in the that is in the blood. Did everyone get served that wanted to be served? If you need, if anybody needs, just let me see your hand and we'll make sure we get it to you. Everybody good? 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed, He took the bread, and we use these little wafers, It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's thank him for the body tonight. Father, we thank you, Jesus, we thank you for the price that was paid on Calvary for me. I thank you for the scourging. I thank you for the beating. I I thank you that you took that for me. You endured all of that so that I would not have to. The Bible says that it's by your stripes. Actually, that word is singular because your body was basically one big stripe. It was an open wound. By, by the wound in, on, in your body, healing is mine. So this morning, as we take this bread as, as just symbolic of your body, we receive in our bodies healing today. We receive everything that was paid for on that cross and Father, we, and Jesus, we just say thank you. Thank you. We remember what you did. We remember the power that you set aside and you did it willingly so that we could receive communion this morning and receive healing, receive restoration, receive deliverance. Whatever we need this morning is because of the body that you was broken for us. So break and eat the bread. It says in the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. Verse 26 goes on to say this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. So let's thank Him for the blood. Thank You, Jesus, for the blood that was shed. I thank You that the blood cleanses us. The blood washes us white as snow. Though our sins be as scarlet, Your blood washes us white. Thank You for the blood. We make much of the blood this morning because it's the blood that purifies us. Thank You for the shedding of Your blood for me. We remember what You did for us. We don't take it lightly. We remember it. And we say thank You. In Jesus' name. Take and drink. I pray this morning, as we get ready to close, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, as your personal savior if you if you don't if you've never had a relationship with him i want i want you to understand this his greatest desire is to have a relationship with you he went to the cross so that he could have a relationship with you but if you're here today and you say pastor i need i need to to get things right with jesus i need to to give my life to him i just need to get things maybe maybe you've had done that in the past and and you've just gotten away from Him, today would be a great day just to, just to get your heart back right with Him. But if you're here today, let's just bow our heads just for a moment if you would. <clears throat> We're almost through this morning. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Jesus. I'm not a Christian, and I would like to know more about that. I would like to give my life to Him today. Would you just slip your hand up? I'd love to be able to pray for you. Anybody at all? Just say, Pastor, I am not. I don't have a relationship I would really like to know more maybe you maybe you say, Pastor, I do have a relationship with him, but you know I've not been living my life the way I know I need to, and today I want to get things right. I want to come back to jesus and and just make things right with him. Can I see your hand? Anybody at all on that thank you i see I see those hands. let's just do this let's stand to our feet this morning and um if you need prayer of any type, if you, if, if, if you, maybe you're not a Christian or maybe you wanted to come back home or maybe you just say, Pastor, I just need prayer this morning. Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you and we would love to do that. So I'm going to open up the front and if you want to come for prayer, uh, I'll take just a moment. And if you want to come down and, and receive prayer, Stacey and I would love to pray with you. We, we'll pray for healing, we'll pray for deliverance, whatever it is that you need this morning. Listen, the power, the same power that Jesus operated in is present today.